Welcome back to another episode of Launch AMA, where we ask startup experts about anything and everything. I'm your host as usual, Sam, the VP of programs here at Launch Academy. I have Aiden here. So Aiden is the founder of Double Up, an agency that helps content creators build sustainable digital businesses, but also co-founder of Supercast, a podcast monetization platform. Thank you, Aiden, for coming by. Oh, no problem. You're welcome. Awesome. So, so you know, Aiden's actually originally from Victoria. So you're just making the trek over here for for the last uh, yeah. two days, three days, just for a couple of days, yeah. just a couple of days. So we got a very exclusive window of time to sit down and chat with you. But uh, please introduce yourself. Like, tell me a little bit about Double Up. Tell me about you know your past as a founder and of course Supercast. Yeah, totally. Um, so we we kind of fell into podcasting with Double Up. We didn't really. Uh, plan to have a company that helps podcasters but we started a marketing agency and immediately started working with podcasters and found they were pretty great clients <laughs> so huh. kept, kept pulling the thread with that yeah. um you know my background is pretty much in subscription software as a service businesses okay um digital products i originally went to film school and kind of fell oh, into wow. marketing through that but um i've always been a podcast fan so when we started working with them um they're kind of for the opposite problems of software companies, actually. They have all the content and nothing else. <laughs> and products tend to always struggle with finding the right content, I find. So it's just kind of an interesting like role reversal in terms of the problems they have and how they're looking to grow and market themselves. Um, and Supercast kind of came from the work that we were doing to help them mm-hmm. monetize the, their listeners and turn listeners into subscribers. And that started out as a as a side project and now it's kind of grown into a, a whole separate beast That's super interesting so we'll definitely dive deeper in, into both your companies really but i'm more curious about you know you said you started out in marketing and and like actually you said video producing yeah like was there a turning point when you knew you wanted to be like entrepreneur have you always been like entrepreneurial or or there was a time you're saying like well there's there's no fit position that i like so yeah. i have to make my own yeah, pretty much something like that. I think I mean it's kind of um, you know I did I did some consulting like straight out of film school. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much realized I didn't want to work in the film industry before I'd finished studying. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, I, I, my background is like visual visual effects. Okay, and I was really interested in that and pushed a bit down that path. And um, you know, I think when I saw someone who had slept under their desk for five nights in a row in that industry, I was kind of like, this is. So you turn to startups where where we yeah, sleep in beds exactly and pull We're, out couches. You know, you have a, <laughs> a little bit better sleep. Um, but yeah, I kind of was very interested in like visual storytelling yeah. through through that work. And um, a couple of my friends were entrepreneurs at the time. Mm-hmm. And were like, "Hey, can you make us a video? You know, that we need a video." It was around about that time when everyone yeah. wanted a video for everything, like two thousand and nine yeah ish uh, it's like when sandwich video was really starting okay. to get going as well and the kind of startup launch videos were just thing. about pre-youtube right yeah nine, yeah. yeah yeah and um it's just kind of through that i started helping entrepreneurs out and realized they you know in comparison to film projects which are like yeah. this thing lasts for three years yeah and you're going to be working on yeah one shot for six months <laughs> and sleep under your desk um the startup world obviously moves pretty fast and mm. it's kind of like hey fun video we can we need to do this in two weeks but that so, was never your plan like growing up you're never like i want to own my own thing be my own boss yeah not really i didn't i didn't really thought beyond just like i, I really like film at that point and my 
I had, a, I had a background in design as well. My dad's a designer. Okay. I've done some kind of graphic design, product design. Sure. Um, but yeah, I just started working with kind of different startups and entrepreneurs on the video side. And that yep. kind of led to some jobs in marketing and then just getting more embedded in, in you know, well, what is marketing at a, at a And startup. so you didn't even study marketing. It was all film, right? Yeah, all film. And so, you kind of just, you, you learn more as you go along. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, it went from like, let's do a product video to let to some customer videos and case yep. studies and then let's write those up and then it's yep. into the blog content and you're learning under somebody else's dime so that's <laughs> yeah it was great and, and I, I was very fortunate to work with um some companies with pretty neat products actually yeah. like, and both companies i ended up working with first were like real jobs not just consulting was yeah. was video focused companies yep. so i kind of had that through line through that early part cool. of my career and working with uh, startups of it was all very video related yeah and then why did you so originally you're from from uk right mm-hmm. yeah uh, why up. did you move to, to canada um it was through one of those companies actually so i've been like in and out of london for about eight years uh through, okay. through film school and kind of living there and and um it's like London's a great city, but it's mm-hmm. it's like not a great place to live for a long mm. time. It's very expensive and just yep. kind of, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I had a great fun there, but the one of the companies I ended up working with had a kind of weird dual co-founder situation going on. <laughs> okay. We had one founder in England and one in Victoria. Yep. Um, and I never even knew what Victoria was. Or <laughs> I'd never been to Vancouver. Other than the Queen. Exactly. Um, and just kind of through a weird, weird bunch of connections and serendipity ended up doing some work with them and coming out in the summer and anyone in BC will know that BC is great in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got trapped and it can get pretty gray in the winter. It's actually not that different from England. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say like London's one of the greatest cities in the world. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they were bringing me out in July and saying it's you should come out here. It's great out here. <laughs> That's like, the ultimate sell. I'm like, oh, this is really nice. Yeah, this is very different. Um, and I guess I was I was just looking for a change at that yeah. time. And you know, this this seems fun. Yeah, go and go and work out there and and see what this is like. And it's a bit of a change of pace. Yeah. And then uh, pretty much as soon as I moved, the the UK decided it was going to Brexit. <laughs> and um, then the, immediately after that, the company I'd come over for was acquired. So I was kind of hmm. like, well, I'll. Not in a rush to go back home, and yep. was at that point um, had met some pretty interesting people doing fun things out here. So decided to stick Very around, cool. and yeah, that was that was almost five years ago. So oh wow, it's flown by. So like, what in your experience, like what you've had clients obviously in UK, in Canada, and and a lot of people, like just I guess in full just transparency, listening are are entrepreneurs that are looking at Canada as a market. Um, they might be from overseas, or they've already landed here, maybe. What's different about about UK and Canada? Is there mm-hmm. is there a big culture difference? And just I mean, in general, moving from place to place, like did you have to adapt, or was it kind of just right in? Yeah, it's funny because I would say there's a big difference between the US and mm-hmm. the UK, and the UK and Canada are actually not interesting, not as different. Yeah. Um, Canadians are very polite. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows English people are kind of uh, polite through gritted teeth i think <laughs> uh, not quite as nice as canadians yeah but, but similar levels of uh you know hospitality yeah um and I, I i found i think you know i ended up doing some work with some american companies and it's just yep. like it's much easier to talk to them about money 
mm-hmm. straight up about it. Mm-hmm. Like, how much does this cost? Yeah, like, how much does it cost? This is our budget. Great. And yeah. a lot of the experience I had working with UK companies was like people like trying to trying yeah. to get you to trying do to stuff avoid for free. avoid that talk. Yeah, right? like they don't you know they're being polite about it, but they're ultimately yeah. asking you to jump through hoops for them. And so this is actually like a, a fascinating kind of subtopic on yeah. its own because because I think people view politeness in general as as a positive, mm-hmm. but in business it can definitely lead to some difficulties yeah right because because you never know like when you ask me it's like how was this podcast when we're going to talk about this later you're going to say well it was great yeah. but it was it really great or did i just waste your time did we just waste everybody's time i'll never really know yeah right because you're just going to tell me it was great um like have you found that in in terms of like i guess more ex- in terms of marketing or sales mm-hmm. like that's been difficult like when you thought you had a really great sales call with somebody mm-hmm. or you're about to land someone as a client um but that like what what are you actually looking for now and like how have you kind of you know managed to grow above that yes yeah, it's, it's a good question I, I i do find and in my you know my my personal experience in the uk maybe was bias mm-hmm. companies i was dealing with but I, I do find it much easier to just generally deal mm-hmm. with with businesses in north america yep um particularly the u.s i mean canada you know like like mm-hmm. i said like you know um people have converge in that direction of, yep. of the UK and not really wanting to talk about money or being a bit like chilled yep. out about it. And it can, it can be harder to kind of like qualify or dequalify. Like if this is a project that actually mm-hmm. is going to make sense from like an agency perspective. Um, whereas, you know, Americans are pretty, pretty straight up with that stuff, mm-hmm. particularly in Silicon Valley, I find. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So, so like switching gears just a tad, like, mm-hmm day-to-day double up and, and supercast both of the companies you you obviously deeply have your hands in uh one is a service-based company with as an agency and the other is a product like mm-hmm. what what's the difference between the two like we were talking yeah. about sales a little bit but you know operationally yeah uh, that's a great question um a lot of difference i'd say um so supercast is very early stage mm-hmm. uh, to, to caveat the discussion with that um you know it 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 started as a side project at Double Up, and it's only now really becoming mm-hmm. a business of its own. We have a lot of shared uh, team and resources. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like operationally managing that business, we have been trying to take everything that our team has kind of learned previously from running and working in SaaS businesses mm-hmm. to this thing, which is still like pretty much at the embryo stage or just mm. past that so there's a lot of stuff that's just chaos like, yeah. like, and then just just so for those listening i mean i did yeah. mention supercast at the beginning but mm. like what is supercast like who should be interested why there's, yeah totally. here's here's your free pitch <laughs> yeah so supercast uh is a, a podcast monetization platform mm. basically um when we when we started working with podcasters at double up mm. and helping them look at how to monetize their audiences one of the big uh, trends we saw is that you know advertising isn't a fit for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are making good revenue from ads, but they don't really like ads. Mm-hmm. And there's broadly just an interest in like how else can I make money from a mm-hmm. podcast? Podcasting's growing quite quickly. People are very interested in it. More and more people doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of people trying to turn it into a living or some yep. kind of you know a lot of hobbyists too. Doing. Right? Yeah, yeah, support what they're doing. And yep. I think this bigger trend of like people looking at audience-supported monetization models, yep. private newsletters like Patreon, these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And we just saw in podcasting there weren't really great tools to help podcasters do that. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of subscription podcasting specifically, very similar to SaaS businesses in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, you have 
people paying monthly for something and you can monitor the same metrics like lifetime value churn um podcasters we were working with just weren't looking at their businesses in that Mm -hmm. way at all and because of that they were coming at it from the content angle that's all they know and that's what they're really good at but they were failing to see this huge opportunity in their businesses so we um kind of built supercast to help them a make it easier to turn like a listener into a subscriber and Mm. make it easy for to pay and sign up and get access to private podcast content Mm. and then b like on the podcaster side give them a window into like analytics wise what's happening Mm. with their subscribers and try and uh, give them the information that would be valuable and helping them actually like grow their business themselves so would you say that the the your clients from double up might be your initial users of, of supercast 100 percent, yeah it, it came about completely organically from the mm-hmm. work we were doing to help podcasters like just grow their audiences and monetize those audiences mm, cool and then so i mean it's really interesting because i i didn't know this going in and i obviously mm-hmm. when when we were doing some research just so yes i do prepare for these podcasts um <laughs> he sent me some very thorough notes actually <laughs> so i can attest um like like you went you started in graphics and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that already like in video producing but now you're in audio and and you know obviously the joke is video yeah. killed the radio star so like does it feel like you're going backwards uh maybe sideways sometimes i mean i, I love video like my you know, my, my passion for film is kind of what got me into this mess. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of online video. And I think mm-hmm. there's, it's really the last like five, 10 years, that landscape has just changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too much stuff out there now. It's kind of about curation and the challenge is finding the mm-hmm. content, not uh, in a sea of content, not kind of finding content when there's not much and you're trying to pick what you want to find um from a limited menu so to speak yeah so audio is interesting and i like there's a a pretty good example is actually it's interesting because it's easier to make so i think it's there's some interesting parallels um one of the companies i was working at i mentioned that kind of had a video focus was Mm -hmm. a company called media core which is a video learning platform and we were working with a lot of uh, universities and corporations who were doing video training or learning Mm -hmm. and there was lots of great examples of people using video in really novel ways, but um, particularly in um, in schools and then mm-hmm. some in, in companies as well, just for like training. Um, like the Four Seasons was a fun one, actually. You know, okay. they, they have like very specific ways that they do things across their resorts and hotels. Mm-hmm. And they were making videos of like, you know, how to, how to make a bed the Four Seasons way or how yeah. to, uh, you know, deal with this kind of customer service situation with a two or four season standard. Um, but that's like, they had to make a video for that. Right. Yep. So someone on the team at four seasons had to know how to make a video yep. and that's got a lot easier with smartphones, but it's, yep. it's still, still, still some level of difficulty. It's still a skill. You, you either have to find a, a film professional or a teenager. So, yeah. So, so they would, would often find like the resorts where someone was a filmmaker yep. or had that hobby. It really took off and elsewhere it didn't. Whereas with audio, I think, you know, it's just the barrier to entry is a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, you still need to know what you're doing to some yep. extent, but there's, it's a lot more accessible to a lot more people. So I see trends that are kind of similar there. And even with some of the companies we've been talking to about podcasting, yep. some people are very interested <clears throat> in in using podcasting in similar ways to what we were seeing with video yep. like a few years ago, um, just for communication or training or 
internal oh. knowledge sharing. So not just your average kind of consumer based. Because yeah. I, th- I think one of the big questions you must always get is like, how is podcasting really different from radio? Yeah, yeah. I think on demand is, yeah. is the, the main thing. It's kind of the, the weird thing about podcasting is that, it, and it's again, because it's audio, not video, you know, it can kind of fill dead time yep. for people. And it gives this really weirdly democratized ability to people to fill their dead time with increasingly like mm-hmm. exactly the thing that they're interested in personally yep. whether it's professional development sports or comedy yep. um, and one of the fascinating things I think about the space for us the work we've been doing with like some some podcasters who already had large established audiences mm-hmm. was just how like crazy those audiences were like how much they love what that podcast is doing yep. and I think you know if you think about it it's like well the audience has listened to that person for dozens or hundreds of hours. Yes. So they feel like they know them. They have this kind of weird one-to-many relationship yes. going on. And I think you get that. It's You definitely get that with video and with YouTube. Mm-hmm. And certainly the way that you, I think a lot of like younger generations like, yeah. consume that content. But for podcasting, it's like it can you can listen to podcasts in more places than you can watch video. Yes. So yeah. that's like a big one. And I think radio is obviously historically is the analog there mm. but it it's kind of like you listen to what's on instead of what yeah. you always want to listen to so makes, that's that's kind of the main makes so like, much leg sense. Up i think podcasting has yeah and I, I think in the last 10 years probably i've really seen it go from a place to being like where i could catch every episode of of mm. my favorite podcast or whatever and now it's 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 no longer realistic right just yeah and that's similar with, with tv and youtube and things like that where before you would it's like every time somebody uploaded a new video mm-hmm. you'd be able to catch it but now it's it's becoming overwhelming so fast yeah. um but kind of drawing it back to to you know your your clients and maybe tap into double up a little bit mm-hmm. um what are what are the trends that you're seeing like businesses are doing in in mm-hmm. this medium like is are they all creating start or are they all creating podcasts are they joining them ads like what what are they doing to because because you know from from double ups your your mm-hmm. your goal is actually to help them as a marketing tool right mm-hmm. like and obviously you're using audience a yep. lot but yeah so it's 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 interesting because there's a lot of companies who just hear the word podcast and they think we, we should do a podcast mm-hmm. uh, they don't really think about what success with that means or how to measure it mm-hmm. and they'll do one for a while they'll try and do something and yep pick up a few listeners give up on it because they did it for three months and it didn't make a dent um kind of like how content marketing works (laughs) at a lot of startups i think they get discouraged and kind of stop and podcasting similar and that i think you know the companies have been doing it really well and seen Mm -hmm. success with it it's like a slow burn over time Mm -hmm. they'll figure out what works they build an audience over time and find that you know this is a great niche for for our business and we have this story to tell yeah um often you know we have access to this great network of people and we're gonna do something that's not the same as what everyone else is doing Mm -hmm. but it it's it's hard to like use a podcast as like a growth hack and it's more of a it's a long tail yeah like a longer term longer tail kind of branding exercise um and we've been having some pretty interesting conversations with companies recently who, you know, all across the space thinking of different things. Some people want to produce like a, a kind of NPR style, mm. like serial level, not quite audio drama, but like very heavily produced Production, show. Yeah. Uh, some companies are doing internal podcasts, like yep. bigger companies, companies like IBM. 
and um, some airlines do these. What, let's dive in. What, what is an internal podcast? Yeah, so um, I think, again, ranges across the spectrum. Yep. There's, like I said, some companies interested in using, like, air quotes podcast to communicate internally. Okay. It's just, like, sharing audio updates from so like this, this this is today's town hall in the form of a podcast pretty much yeah okay i think this there's some good examples of of companies um i think dropbox was doing a, a good internal one for a okay. while um and 15 years later it's going to become some sort of like audio show for for the archives or something like that <laughs> totally could do um and, and i think like privacy is always an issue with those yeah. right like you know a, a larger company public tech companies you know they don't want their ceos updates being, yeah. being shared out um but then i think i think that's like the you know the internal podcast podcast mm-hmm. landscape is pretty early but mm-hmm. people are looking at that and, and you know have some interesting ideas mm-hmm. but in terms of like marketing exercises there's a lot of bigger corporations just kind of doing yep. podcasts because they think they should and they can afford it yep. and i don't know if they're really seeing much return on like one season that cost yeah two hundred fifty thousand dollars yeah because the content is kind of not that inspired mm-hmm. they just threw something together and put it out yeah it's probably not the right way to use a podcast i would say yeah so so definitely keys is is it does it is a long tail it needs to take over time so yeah. at least a year so that means we're good for at least 20 episodes yeah <laughs> um that's right. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> Just got to keep it going. Um, but but like especially with your clients, like mm-hmm. and and I don't want to give away your trade secrets here. But like, what what's the pitch to a, to a company when you're about to work with them? And you're saying we're going to use audio. Is it like you're, you know you're going to commit to a year of this? Is it you're going to commit to to three years? And then at the end of it, what's what's like the the rainbow? Uh, what's at the mm-hmm. end of the rainbow? Like what's the pot of gold look like? Like how do you describe that to them? Yeah, so I mean, we've been working primarily with like podcasters who already had the content and audiences, okay. and they're looking more at um, how do I, you know, now I have this audience, mm-hmm. how do I monetize it? How do I build something around my podcast that that is a product? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like developing subscription products around the content that that they are already producing and that they know that an audience loves. Mm-hmm. That's been kind of the main focus of our work, and typically, as I said, like podcasters they're really good at creating content mm-hmm. i think to have a lo- to have a large audience as a podcaster you also have to kind of be a strong enough personality that people mm-hmm. want to listen to for hours yes so you get this interesting interesting kind of type of client who's like you know leading in in content but that's that's really what they've been focused on so when it comes to growing their business or looking mm-hmm. at building a subscription software product you know that's not the world they've come from so um, they have all the content and all the pieces for that, mm-hmm. but you know, figuring out how to package that up and how to. So, how to so in other words, I guess, audience. I guess one another way to put it is, podcasting might not be the the first uh, former thing you want to build for your brand. It mm-hmm. it much, works much better elevating existing brands to, I guess, a, a newer level. Yeah, I think for you know for those kind of podcasters, often individuals. Mm. For for companies, I think it does have a place as part of a like a broader content strategy. Yeah, um, and there's ways certainly uh you know you it's it's crazy to me how many people um just never record the video because mm-hmm. youtube's obviously a huge yeah. platform um a huge discovery tool for businesses depending on the the type of content marketing yeah. they're doing um so i think if people are going to do a podcast it's like make sure that you're getting as much value out of it as possible. So record the video, transcribe mm. the audio, 
um, they're great conversations for yep. you know the basis of like written blog content. Yeah. So you can kind of feed a lot of channels with with podcast content. Yep. So from that perspective, you know, having a strategy of thought leadership. Yeah, thought leadership, and this is this is kind of the 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 podcast content that we can produce and it's going to feed everything else out i think that's probably like the key yeah to a company looking at doing them and actually how you would measure return yeah is you know just because you can get some download stats on yeah. a podcast that doesn't it's, it's kind of hard to turn that into yeah directly attribute to dollars but if you can say well we did this and you know we have twenty thousand people listening to every episode yeah. plus it's you know, driving the backbone of our content strategy and mm-hmm. we're growing a, a video audience, which we can track and they're converting to business. Okay. You start to be able to measure it a bit more, but it, it does come back, I think to, you know, it's a, it's more of a long-term yeah. thing. It's, it's hard to have overnight success for a brand with a podcast yep. unless you really, so it's the anti TikTok. Yeah. In a sense, um, you could say that. And I think, you know, one of the things that, I have seen be really successful for people not to quite have overnight success, but to Mm -hmm. grow a podcast really quickly Mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, influencers and companies who just have great networks Mm -hmm. and have really interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Pulling in their networks and doing kind of guest interviews. um, Yeah. Then leveraging other people. Not anything I'm doing here. Mm. (laughs) We'll have a huge social media following, obviously. (laughs) So you'll, you'll benefit from that. Um, no, for sure. But the kind of to drive back to, to our audience and, and for mm-hmm. startups, like how should they look at, at, at podcasting, whether they're entering a new market or they're trying mm-hmm. to grow their existing market? Is this something that like if they haven't started now, should they like how should they tap into it? It should be two feet in, dip your toes in. Like what would you kind of recommend for, for startups? Let's, let's say, for example, it was it was the, the SaaS company that you worked for when when you moved mm-hmm. over to Victoria. Like what what would have been a good recommendation for them in terms of this medium? Yeah. So I think it comes down to probably how niche is the audience and, and also where is your audience, right? Like mm-hmm. who are you trying to reach? Do they, are they even the demographic who mm-hmm. uh, listens to podcasts? You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a company who's selling to kind of younger, younger people who are a bit more tech minded and yeah. the podcasting demographic still trends towards kind of people yeah. who are interested in self-development and sports and comedy, uh, like the really popular ones. Mm-hmm. Um, if if your audience is listening to podcasts, I think it makes sense to, mm-hmm. to look at it as a channel. And then, you know, how niche do you do you want to get? Like how how narrow is the audience for your product? The company I was working at was a you know a video learning platform for, yeah. for schools, so it was very niche. So <laughs> yeah. we um, we had a pretty low bar in terms of content for that business actually because we yeah. didn't have a lot of competition. So we made some pretty fun videos and. Just you know, put them out on YouTube and, um, you know, we did a lot of people saw those and were like, Oh wow, this company's like, we haven't seen anyone else in the space doing video. Yeah. It didn't even matter how good the video was just the yeah. fact we were doing it. Uh, and I think the same is true of, of kind of podcasting for a lot of companies. If you have a niche audience and they're not being served mm-hmm. with, you know, what you're doing, what your, what problem your product is solving and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are there interesting stories to tell around that? Yeah. And a podcast certainly could be like a, a great way to kind of attract some attention yep. there. It probably also depends on how much crossover there is with kind of what your product does and, you know, what your audience is actually interested in. Yeah. So there's a lot of like 
business podcasts, which people yes. probably aren't listening to in their spare time because they're not interested in them. But um, if you do something that people have a passion for, and you know, yeah. they're actually going to likely to tune in and want to learn more about it yeah. outside of just the work they're doing. I think that probably puts you in good stead to consider it as a channel. And then, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know for, for a lot of initial startups, they do a lot of documentation and, and this was much cooler five years ago, but, but like they would, they would start company blogs and they kind of document the journey. Like, you know, this week we, we finished the sprint. Yeah. Like it could be as mundane as that, or it could be yeah. a lot more interesting, but is, is podcasting like a replacement for that for even building a brand initially like like you know it's like day one my uh sam startup mm-hmm. um and for whatever reason i just start documenting it as an as a podcast obviously nobody's gonna listen to me because nobody knows sam yeah. sam startup but but is that even worth considering right now in terms of the maturity of the platform you'd say um i think if you just did that and it was instead of written content yeah. you know you're Google's not going to find you. Yeah. So you're not building that kind of ability to be mm-hmm. discovered over time. If you're using it as part of a strategy where, it, like I said, it's feeding mm-hmm. written content of some mm-hmm. kind, then yeah. it, it might actually, it, depending on the team formation, what people, mm-hmm. whether you like to write or speak, it might, yeah. might be a better way to get content produced quickly. If you have yeah. a team who's able to turn that around and create other content from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely discovery is, is kind of a challenge in podcasting. Yeah. It's, it's, that's so, so it's still challenge. not there yet, you'd say? No, I, I would say no. For sure. And then I guess my last question for that is, is what about ad spend? Um, uh, on podcasting? Yeah, like is that worth for, like again, you're a SaaS business or you're entering a new market. Like, yeah. like you know, we have we have lots of people in, in our Maple program mm-hmm. that, that are coming over here and they want to make a splash. Mm-hmm. Is it? And they're looking, obviously, they're looking at all the regular places now, Google, mm-hmm. Facebook, et cetera. Should they should they go the, the I call it the Squarespace route because they're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> they've they've pretty much funded the entire podcasting industry. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so it's it's tricky to measure the ROI on podcast ads. Yeah, uh, like just broadly with podcasting, the analytics mm-hmm. kind of suck. Uh, you can get downloads and listens and a bit of information about where people are and what device they're using, but it's not quite the same as like Google ads or Facebook ads or any of these digital channels where you can mm-hmm. track, you know, all the way through from an ad impression to click through to a sale. Mm-hmm. Um, the attribution just isn't there. And the way that people listen to podcasts, I think is it, it kind of Squarespace and Casper and all these direct to consumer mm-hmm. brands, which have spent enormous amounts of money on podcast advertising. Mm-hmm. It obviously works really well for them just to, grow brand awareness over time yeah and they do try and attribute this stuff with coupon codes and yep. specific landing pages but uh i've you know been involved with a bunch of podcast sponsorships and across the board the results if you're just looking at direct yeah like measurable traffic are always yeah. disappointing um because because it's varied right like because we when you know us as marketers we're assuming it's like mm-hmm. you listen to podcasts you get the ad you will stop what you're doing <laughs> yeah immediately, and immediately go, and go to the, the site yeah. using the coupon code and buy my casper yeah when reality it's like oh yeah you heard it it, it makes an effect later you see a taxi it has a casper ad and then finally at home you go to bed and you're like this is really uncomfortable now you're on your phone you're buying a casper exactly right? like all of those have an effect but what's the attribution to there's no coupon code now or, yeah and or how whatever, do you right? do you split the attribution across those yeah across across those three things is how attributable is your bed to that yeah. that decision as a, as like a purchasing decision um you get into all those kind of 
you know realms mm-hmm. when you when you're looking at attribution. But um, yeah, with with podcasting, that's often the case. I think that someone isn't going to be ready to buy the product at the time they hear the ad. It's not mm-hmm. like Google where you go there yeah. and you say, I need this now. So your intent to buy is really high. But it, it's more like, oh, I need a new mattress. And I've kind of heard this mattress company advertising on podcasts for the last six months. Yeah. I'll Google them. And then you Google them and just go to their website. You don't hit that landing page. Mm-hmm. And you know that might have very well been driven by a few months of you hearing that ad. Every day. That's why we know Squarespace. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but, it, but you can't, attribute that back to spend so i find and you know i've spoken with people who've done a lot more podcast advertising than me and and Mm -hmm. know this know the space better there but uh you know some shows they've really targeted their audience really well they know who's listening Mm -hmm. they're selling ads that uh, you know companies really want to reach their audience and it's the best way to reach them is to yeah you know fifty thousand of them are listening to this show Mm -hmm. It's really cheap for companies like that when they have everything dialed in and they find the mm-hmm. right show. Um, they're getting a bargain. Yeah. For other companies, uh, it's you know they'll just spend money on podcast ads and see what happens. Yep. And I think the, the the easiest mistake to make is to do like one ad and then say mm. it didn't work and then never do podcasting ads again. Whereas it's, it's again a long term commitment. It's again yeah it's it's kind of more of a longer term branding thing and I think finding the right shows with the right audiences is key as well. And the, the kind of, you know, the, the cost of ads in podcasting as a result of that, you're either probably getting a great deal or a bad deal that they're not priced in the same way that buying Google or Facebook ads is, is much more kind of accurate in terms of, you know, the ads are priced to the value. So I, I know we were talking about this a bit off air, but in terms of like, you know, trying to establish a new brand or, or you're trying to go into a new market, um, is there anything in the podcasting mm-hmm. space that you would recommend people do? Uh, if you're just launching a new company mm-hmm. and, and thinking, it could be launching or, or, or a new market. I think if you're thinking about uh, so much of it comes back to like the story for mm-hmm. me with podcasting, you know, people like to be entertained and, mm-hmm. um, all of the best podcasts, I think even interviews has come some kind of narrative yep. to those shows. Um, so if you're thinking about how can we use this medium to kind of get people listening and to mm-hmm. take us seriously, pay attention to us, mm-hmm. it, it comes back a lot to that of like, what is the, what's the story of the product? Like what problem does it solve? And then depending on, on different industries, there's, there's, you know, great shows that have tried different things with with different formats to to tell those stories and mm-hmm. you know bring in industry experts and have a specific angle that no one else is talking about yeah um and that creates good content that people actually want to listen yep. to but at the core of it i think if you're thinking about using it as a medium it does mm-hmm. come back to that like well why would anyone listen like what mm-hmm. are we doing here that is yeah worthy of people's time and and yep. having a story to tell is it's like a good place to start there yep but you, you actually mentioned something interesting is you would you would consider, let's say, for whatever reason, you were moving not to London, but let's let's say it was let's say it was France um, and you don't know that market. But you mentioned something about like you would actually look at, you know, your space. What are the podcasts in there and use that as networking? How would you go about that? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I think we were talking about, you know, moving, moving to a new country. Like, yeah, what, what are the priorities to kind of get yeah. yourself oriented? And, yeah. and, and one, I think, is establishing a network of people and and you know there's a number of ways to do that but probably high on everyone's list is going to be well who is doing interesting things 
in the industry mm. or areas that I care about who are, who are near me, who should I meet? Mm-hmm. And um, a great way certainly to find entrepreneurs or interesting companies is, is I think to look at like who's who's it, who's going around talking on podcasts, who's doing, who's marketing themselves, mm-hmm. who's uh, on social media as well, like who's in town, who's building mm-hmm. cool stuff, and um, it can be a good way to kind of get a lay of the land of, you say you moved to France, like mm-hmm. uh, who who are the interesting entrepreneurs and companies in Paris? Like I have no idea, but I think podcasting and social media would be good channels to kind of find out. Yeah, the local stories and also you know through that and then would you cold contact them yeah or you can meet people at events and network and mm-hmm. or, or just yeah reach out and say hey i heard you on the show it sounds cool how do you think we got him here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, actually actually a story on its own right it was a great cold email <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's just like a good way to get to know a market you know you yeah. can, you could know nothing about just startups you know take that as an example and just go and listen to like gimlet startup podcast like mm-hmm. uh masters of scale um reed hoffman's show and like get a mm-hmm. sense for wow yeah these suddenly i've heard a bunch of cool stories from entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. know some names in the industry and it it's kind of a fun way to get to learn about that mm-hmm. you actually took my next question i was gonna ask you what are you gonna recommend for for any startup founders everywhere so i think that was oh. that was a pretty good list i think that last one um yeah Masters of Scale is a great, Masters of Scale. A great show. Yeah, who's that by? Uh, Reed Hoffman. Okay, cool. So make sure you make sure you check that out. Um, finally, I guess I always like to ask this question, but what's one piece of advice you'd tell first time founder, Aiden? Uh, none of it matters as much as you think. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Do you expand a little bit on that? Uh, I think it's very easy to, especially like when you're starting businesses or like. Mm. It's kind of balls to the wall. Like mm. you know, you're not sleeping. Every it's, day is the end of the world if you don't yeah. get this done. And and it's and it's very rare that's the case. Like, oh. in fact, I'd say it's never really the case. Mm-hmm. Um, always try and make time to just like get away from it, have some have some downtime, and um, recharge a bit. Cool. So I guess just to wrap things up. How can people that are listening connect with you? Uh, yeah, just probably follow me on on Twitter, uh, Aiden Hornsby. Twitter Twitter's still alive. Twitter is still alive. Yeah, that's probably the best place. Um, or go to uh, check us out at doubleup.agency. Uh, cool. It's the website. See what we're doing. Cool. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Aiden, for, for having me here. We'll be back really soon with, with another episode. So hope this was valuable for you. Picked up some good tips. Uh, if you do end up starting a podcast, send it over my way. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, man.